Next on BYU Sports Nation, which future BYU football opponent are you most excited about 2016 and beyond? My pick knows a thing or nine about national championships. <laughs> Plus, BYU head baseball coach Mike Littlewood is back in Studio B. And for you Big 12 expansion lovers, ESPN Big 12 blogger Jake Trotter on how expansion talk has changed in the last week. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Brian Logan. Oh, we are live as ever in Radio Vision, BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Tuesday, June 7th. Wherever and however you are dialed in, great to have you with us as always. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with part-time Uber driver, especially when it comes to his kids, Brian Logan. (laughs) Uber drivers, no, 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 no. Actually, you know what? Uber drivers make a pretty good living, man, doing some part-time stuff. More money than you would anticipate. I have researched this. No kidding. I have researched that very thing. It was crazy. I was in in Boston um, a couple weeks ago and was... uh, out for business and and uh my uber driver i was talking to him and he i think he said he worked uh full time at the airport and it was like 11 o'clock when he in the morning when he picked me up and i was like dude what are you doing here like are you like on your lunch break or like what's going on and he was like well i do this part time and all my money has been just going to my travel so i've been here i've been there all over the world and i was like that is amazing man (laughs) i can't man gosh next time i want something big i'm gonna be an Uber driver. Part-time Uber driver. Yeah, I just want to do it for people I know, though. So, not random people, just like you and Jerem and, yeah. <laughs> Brian, yeah. I need a ride to the airport. <laughs> yeah. It's going to yeah. cost you 17 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, plus it's cheaper than parking. Yes, that is true, man. Uh, by the way, speaking of world travelers, TJ Haas recently returned from his two-year mission to Lyon, France, and mm. has been doing work in the gym, notably in the form of an Instagram video yesterday where TJ just, you know, calm, cool, collected, knocked down 11 three-pointers in a row. We've all knocked down 11 three-pointers. No, no, we haven't done that. I have. And his dad, Marty Haas, told us in a roundabout way, you never lose the stroke even when you're on a two-year mission. Well, apparently TJ hasn't lost it. And his uncle, Pat, has has dubbed him the Ginger Mamba, Brian. <laughs> I love it. There's, oh, he! I do see it now. Now that the video is a little bit closer, uh, yeah, I do see the 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 the, the hint of red. It's like a strawberry blonde. I mean, these shots are not touching anything but the net. Pure. But, but you could you uh, when you're on your mission, you can work out, right? Can you shoot basketballs? Yeah, or? but let's be honest. I mean, thirty minutes a day if you decide to have that as you work it and you're in an area where there's a basketball hoop like it's just it's just it's difficult. it's tough it's tough to do that it's tough to do that but he knocks down 11 in a row here's the funny thing i've had guys from that lone peak team say to me we had teams mentally beat before we tipped off because they would look at us and say oh who, who are these fools yeah we're going to dominate these guys including the ginger mamba so don't Bet against uh, the ginger right, just, mamba. Just because of how they looked? Just Isn't like, that just interesting? The, the perception? Like... They won a high school national championship, best high school team in America, because 
teams would look at them and mentally they were already beaten. Hey man, I think that's like how BYU was. You know, when I well, I should say is, I should say was, but when I played, a lot of teams were like that. They were like, man, you got you guys got you got some good white boys, man. Like you guys are way faster and stronger. I'm like, <laughs> yep, yep. These are these are my good white boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 different, man. When you when you have this perception of you know, how somebody looks based off of just the, their their uh, appearance and, and just the race. And it's interesting because Coach Mendenhall and the, and the guys would always be like, why you got so many wristbands on and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, it's my swag. It's my swag, man. I'm trying to look like a, like a good player. And it's so true. When you see somebody with, like, no wristbands, no gloves, <laughs> like, no type of swag, I'm like, man, Andrew, go ahead. I, I like this dude. Go help another side, man. It's all good. Hey, let them keep thinking that about TJ Haas and company. I love it so much. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. CBSSports.com reporting that Arizona is a one-and-a-half-point favorite in the latest point spread for BYU football season opener and a recent mm. article talking about a loaded first weekend of college football. Very interesting. Uh, Daniel Summerhays is a first alternate to compete in the U.S. Open. He lost in a six-man playoff earlier this morning at the Powell, Ohio sectional qualifier for the final spot. We're hoping that Daniel will find his way into the U.S. Open somehow. Jacob Brugman went one for three with a run scored yesterday for the Nashville Sounds in AAA baseball. In his last ten games, he's hitting three oh four with a home run and seven runs batted in. Mike Littlewood, the head BYU baseball coach, will join us. We're going to ask him when he thinks, if he thinks, Jacob will get into the majors sometime in the next year. Incoming freshman Elizabeth Braby of BYU Women's Soccer was named to the under-19 U.S. Women's National Team. Mm, under-19. <laughs> under-19? Yes. So, like, if you're over-19. 19, 19 or under. 19 or under. Or is it 18? I don't know is the technicalities 18? of that. 19? If you're 18, <laughs> you, can, you can go, right? The team heads to New Zealand this month for three friendlies, whether they're 18 or not. You know, <laughs> whatever. Rise okay. and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Circle the calendar. If you're going to play teams like Michigan State, Mississippi State, USC, go on and on. When you come to those games, you better be ready to get bruised up and do a little bruising. Oh, there will be some bruising in the future with the likes of the teams that BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo just listed, not to mention the other SEC and Pac-12 teams with a national championship pedigree in their history. But first things first, right? As we mentioned, game number one for BYU football under new head coach Kalani Sataki is against Arizona. One-and-a-half-point underdog are the Cougars right now in that season opener, which is one day closer. Countdown to the Wildcats. 88 days. Woo! 88 days. Hey, folks, we practiced that like 2.3 times. Shout-out to Andrew George. Number 88. We all know Arizona's next. One game at a time. Don't overlook an opponent, Spencer. People, it's June 7th. It is almost the summer, technically. We can do whatever we want. True. Which includes looking forward to another opponent not named Arizona. More than just one game. We're not coaches and players. Brian used to be a player. Not anymore. Even if I was a player, I'd still look ahead. (laughs) I ain't going to lie to you. They'll take care of that business, okay, (laughs) in their own collective minds. So with that said, answer today's Twitter question. What future BYU football game are you most excited for and why? 
first tweet at Olsen Dillon. Got to be the USC Trojans. Get them at home in 2019. Mm-hmm. That's a legacy of a program. LSU is up there, too. Oh, you're on to something good there at Olsen Dillon. What about at France and Joshua? Hands down, USC at LES in 2019. That will be one of the biggest names BYU has hosted and the biggest in my lifetime. Now, I have seen USC play in Provo in 2004 when they won the national championship. They don't come to Lavelle Edwards Stadium often, but when they do, it is big time. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Olsen Dillon, man. SC just it just it's it just I don't know something about SC, man. I, I grew up uh, a USC fan. Uh, you know, I, I Pac-12 is and, and Pac-10 just just country is what I I grew up watching, and, and so to have an opportunity to to watch this uh, live when I've been a part of the BYU program um, is is I think really really exciting for me. Um, I mean, when you look at the the type of school that SE is, uh, just all of the national brand and recognition that this program has, great opportunity for this BYU football team. And then I, I think the biggest thing is is recruiting. Uh, when when you have opportunities to bring kids to Provo uh, to these big schools, and you can put a beat down on them, you know, like a Texas or something along those yeah. lines. Uh, the the school the, the the kids start to sit back and say, "Huh, there is something to this school. There is something to these white boys that I thought were slow and and not strong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera." Um, so I, you just have an opportunity to to, to battle for uh, these bigger uh, name recruits, and then you got to look at as, as a player. You've got to get up for a game like this, man, because of the amount of talent that these teams have. I mean, just just NFL scouts. Are, are looking at these players. And so if you can shine, if you have an opportunity to be on film, make some plays against these top-rated players, you know, you set yourself up to potentially start getting scouted and start becoming on the radar. And when you look at uh, the amount of players, 78 players that have been drafted since 2004 uh, for, for this USC program. So just another opportunity to continue on with your dream. Which future opponent on any BYU schedule – are you most excited about and why use the hashtag BYUSN at PJ Morgan 11 says it's got to be the Bayou Bengals in 2017, making reference to LSU. BYU fans are fixated and I am totally on board with this. I am intrigued by this with testing yourself against the best. You want to prove that you belong. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely a risk reward. You can go and get blown out. I mean, just boat raced. Oh, and, and injuries too, right? Yes. You, you put all of that on the line. But as Tom Homo said, you got to be prepared to get a little bruised and to do a little bruising. That's a lot of bruise. That's, that's, man, that's you more want than the a chance. Loop. You want the chance. BYU has never played LSU before, which is another huge reason why I am most looking forward to that season opening game in 2017. Season opener at an NFL neutral site. Sound familiar? BYU is going to do it this year with Arizona, and they will do it in 2017 as well, but the competition level goes way up. Mm-hmm. On national television, a ton of eyeballs will be on this game. It feels like an early season bowl game against a major opponent. Can you imagine BYU playing LSU in a bowl game? Why not play them? in an NFL stadium to open the season with that same type of feel. 
That's, I love it. That's how I felt when we played Oklahoma. Well, I can't really say about it a bowl is, game because I never it's experienced Oklahoma. it. But yeah, that's, it's that's, Oklahoma over again. How big was that? Dude, it was a different It was a different atmosphere, man. I mean, we I, I got here in May, and we were going through just like player-run practices, so no coaches were allowed because of NCAA rules. And things were kind of just nonchalant, and I'm, and I'm just, you know, just knowing the guys, feeling my way through, and, and just learning plays. And when we hit camp, I mean, it just slapped me in the face. And, and, I mean, everybody that was so nice was so mean. And they were like, come on, what are you doing? It's Oklahoma. We got Oklahoma. And so the entire program was is on edge, but in a, in a, in a positive way, right? And like you said, everybody's uh, competitive edge and drive just shot out the roof because of the, the potential and the possibility that we were facing. Prestige is a big part of what goes into the excitement for future opponents. That brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU's future opponents have combined for 22 national championships in college football, including, most recently, LSU, my pick, in 2007, and USC, Brian's pick, in 2004. Not to mention, Brian, in 2003 when those two very teams had a split national title. Also contributing UCLA, Stanford, Washington, Michigan State, California. It is loaded with big-time opponents. I still feel like that that national title, the split, should be like a point five. Point five. Yeah. I don't – So it should go down to 21. Yeah, I would say 21, man. <sighs> right? That's how they did it, man. Still counts as a national championship. Well, maybe it's 22 because you have point five, point five. Oh, no, no, 21. Yep. I'll tell you which opponent on this year's schedule you should look forward to the most coming up in about a half an hour. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN and join us with your opinions. Up next, the Big 12 update with ESPN's Jake Trotter and BYU baseball coach Mike Littlewood defines the 2016 season next. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio, moving pictures on BYU TV. Our conversation happening right this very minute on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. If you are looking for your BYU football fix, look no further than BYU TV on June 30th as we will host BYU Football Media Day. Great BYU football programming throughout the day includes the annual State of the Program show, and this year will feature BYU Football 1996 Revisited. A look back to arguably one of BYU's best seasons. A lot of people think that 96 team was the best BYU football team ever. Tell me about it, man. I was like five years old. 14-1, and one, finished the season ranked number five, Cotton Bowl okay. champions over 14th-ranked Kansas State. Ooh, okay. Who, wait, who they lose to? They lost at Washington. Were they ranked? Washington, Washington ranked? was just outside of the rankings when BYU they lost in Seattle. I don't know. Hmm. I'll have to go back and look at that. I don't know if Washington finished that season ranked. Regardless, they opened the season with a win against 13th-ranked Texas A&M in the Pigskin Classic. Mm, okay, okay. They beat a ranked Wyoming team in the WAC Championship Wait, game. Wait, Wyoming, Wyoming was ranked? 23rd. Oh, no. 23rd in it. the WAC Championship, and then they beat 14th-ranked Kansas State to close out the season in the Cotton Bowl. Okay, I respect it. In the Cotton Bowl, Kansas yeah. State in front of 70,000 Kansas State fans. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That, oh, oh. What? That wasn't like mutual? Or? It was neutral, but there were 10,000 BYU fans there and like 60 or 70,000 Kansas State oh, okay, fans. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Neutral, yeah. You've done that against Oklahoma, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. What future BYU football game are you most excited for and why? Use the hashtag BYUSN. But first, 
the head baseball coach, Mike Littlewood, back in Studio B with all of that swagger. Coach, <laughs> it's good to have you back, man. It's been too long, I feel like. Yeah, not, not feeling like a whole lot of swag right now. But <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm licking my wounds and trying to get on with life. We'll get to that in just a bit. Okay, we'll get let's let's uh let's start with the easy questions. Okay. In terms of baseball scheduling, which team are you looking forward to playing in the future the most? Well, we've got uh Santa Barbara coming in, I believe Ooh, next year. Okay. Uh, for a three or four game series, Oregon's going to come in uh, just like Arizona did after they play Utah. Yukon is is coming in nice. in the next year or so. Yukon's a regional team. Um they had a they had one of the best pitch, first round pitcher. Um, I'm sure he'll get drafted in the first round. They're, they're a really good program, and so those are some teams that uh, we're going to Hawaii, and uh, we go, you know, I think in 18. But we scheduled two, three years out. Not like football, who it's like in 2030 we got a season. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go we'll go a couple years out, but but that's about it. So yeah, we're we're trying to put the, together the best possible schedule we can every single year. Coach, I, I didn't know that you did your own scheduling. I, I mm-hmm. thought that – I know that, you know, Coach Mendenhall and, and uh, football, Tom had some some efforts in that as well. But uh, how much time do you spend doing this yourself uh, in comparison to other coaches that may get some help from the AD? I spend very little compared to Trent Pratt, who puts our schedule together. <laughs> so I'm very good at delegating that that part. Trent, man, Trent's busy. does our scouting reports and – uh, coaches our catchers, coaches first base, and puts a schedule together. You know, it's it's almost easier for an assistant to do it because they run into all those guys recruiting and they run into assistants. Oh, yeah. Hey, let's play each other, and okay, give me a call. And um, that's kind of how it starts. And then Trent will run run by the schedule. We'll sit down and spend. Um, you know, I'll spend probably ten percent of the time he does on it, but but Trent does most of the scheduling for us. So with 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 football and and being independent, um, there, there's obviously no conference right and mm-hmm. so you want to try to play the best of the best but you also want to have that balance is that the same with with you guys with non-conference is trying to yeah you know, focus on the, some of the bigger guys well we know how important rpi is now after after having this you know if, if our rpi is probably eight points higher we can we get in that large just like gonzaga did so it's really important and we thought we put together a really good and it's hard to it's hard to say because we scheduled two or three years out yeah okay if we're going to play oklahoma in three years that's probably going to be a good team just yeah. like we played Kansas this year Kansas took last in the, in the Big 12 we went on on the road and beat them in in uh three game series but part of the RPI is your opponent's record and then their opponents so that your yeah. opponent's opponent's record in baseball uh, and then you put into to your, your record so it's kind of tough St. Louis was really good they won their league two years ago Samford won their league two years ago and so we schedule them on the road thinking man if we can go win the series yeah our RPI is going to skyrocket. Well, we do. We schedule them, go on the road, beat them. They end up having, well, Sanford won 30 games. They both won 30 games, but they didn't have the year that they thought they would. And so we have to just put, put together. We have to be careful that you don't play like we did two years ago, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Santa Barbara, yeah. and they're all very, very good. Yeah. And sometimes you roll the dice a little bit that way. But we want to put together a challenging schedule that's going to help our RPI. You play Niagara at home, you have to beat them. And if you beat them four times like we did last year, it, it doesn't help our RPI. Um, even beating Utah doesn't help our RPI because their record wasn't good and their opponent's record wasn't very good. So that was kind of a unique thing with Utah this year. So um, schedule a good schedule and win the games. That's the best way to that, do it. That's that's tough, man, because you you know if you're if you're scheduling the Oklahomas and, and these these branded schools that traditionally are good, you know that if you go and you and you play these schools and you win and you're competitive, then yeah, you you have a chance, but. You obviously you have that balance of you know potentially um, 
not coming out with some with some Ws. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you that's the I guess the risk reward. I mean, there's a risk to putting together a challenging schedule, especially going on the road because that's where we're going to be the first three weeks of the season, no matter what. But I think if you can schedule that, uh, Gonzaga goes down and plays TCU early this year, and I believe they got them one time. Yeah. Um, you know, you w- even when you go on the road and lose one, it's that that hurts you just a little bit. Even yeah. even though it's TCU, and we went down and, and split with LSU my first year, that was huge for us because w- we split with them. Mm-hmm. We didn't lose two out of three, yep. and so you have to be careful. But I also think you need to go on the road and play in one of those SEC environments to kind of figure out what it's what it's about. And mm-hmm. so if you do get to the regional, uh, or even in a in a big time series where teams come in and play us, I mean we've got. Probably half the fans they do. I mean, those those they're bringing out ten, twelve thousand fans a night. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but at least you get, it gives you the environment, so you're not totally surprised. Yeah, and, not shocked. And you realize, okay, this is a regional team. This is where I need to be. Yeah. Um, you know, not just beating um, Utah Valley and and Niagara all the time. And and although Utah Valley had an incredible season, and kudos to those guys. Uh, so did Utah. Hey, it's hard to say, but man, those guys did a great job at the end of the year. Interesting yeah. that you win series against both of those teams who both went to regionals because of auto bids, mm-hmm. winning their conferences in the Pac-12 and WAC, respectively. But BYU doesn't get to a regional. 37-17, and 17, Mike Littlewood with us in Studio B. And let's take a look back at what I feel like as a fan, I know a lot of people feel like, was overall, step back, it was a great season. 20 yeah. games over 500, but an obviously disappointing ending. So how are you feeling now? I know you said you're licking your wounds. How are, <laughs> how are you feeling when you're trying to look at just the whole thing? Well, I mean, it's a step in the right direction. I think every week we were nationally relevant with every publication. We were ranked as high as 16th. Um, I think you can have, I know you can have a successful season and have a disappointing ending, and I, and I think that's what we did. Um, it, it seems like we were just skyrocketed at first, had a few pitching injuries that really, really hurt us. I mean, people don't understand how important losing four pitchers is to a baseball team. <laughs> we lose number four. two. We lose number two. Kendall Motes, the first week of the season, we lose Maverick after six, I mean, he's six and two or something like that, lose him halfway through the season. We lose Connor Williams. We lose Hayden, uh, Hayden Rogers. That's huge. I mean, that's like losing maybe your power forward and your sixth man in a, in a you know, or maybe even a, a two starters in a basketball team. It's, but we battled, finished 14 and 14. And I think the, maybe the ignorant outside guy looking in well what's wrong what happened you know well we play in a good that's, league yeah, that's me right there <laughs> <laughs> we, we play in a good league and we were really going into every single series with one starting pitcher that we could really count on so successful season yeah it really was did we meet our goal of making a regional no and that's what makes it disappointing and and uh it's kind of like you have a junior high girlfriend you know sixth grade you think you're holding hands all the time or whatever and mm-hmm. you break up and you think it's the end of the world that's yep. how i felt the last <laughs> couple of weeks um just you wake up and go, did this really happen? I need to, you know, I, but I need to move on. And, and now it's recruiting and different things in the summer, and you just kind of get on with life. Now, I only laugh when you say four injured pit, pitchers because there is some short-sightedness out there of people that don't understand the whole story. And it's like, how do you, re- how do you expect them to recover after losing not one, but four, yeah, I'm, four I'm, significant contributors. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those. I mean, is is this something where it's like a freak accident where like Jamal and Taysom and kind of everybody was was getting injured that year, or is this something where you can go back next year and say, okay, I need twenty more you know, pictures <laughs> to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Well, it'd be nice to have twenty good pitchers. Uh, that we started the season with sixteen pitchers on our roster, and through attrition, and and it happens. Um, 
Connor Williams, and we didn't even uh, mention, mention Jordan Wood, who was out for four weeks. He's a 90-92 guy who helped us win a couple games early out of the pen. Uh, Connor and Jordan both had forearm strains, and yeah. it might be a missionary return missionary. They're both hard-throwing return missionaries. Hayden Rogers uh, has an oblique strain that he throws maybe 15 pitches against San Francisco, and Kendall Motes has four bone chips taken out of his elbow. And I mean, it's just Gosh. Maverick had uh, – stem cell and PRP to try to get back mm-hmm. uh, just a slight UCL tear. And so he'll start throwing. So uh, if you look at some of the guys you have coming back, we, we will probably, we may not have Mike Rucker as that number one guy who's going to win every single game he pitches, which is kind of important, but uh, <laughs> we'll have, we'll have much more depth if we can keep everybody healthy. And that's just one of the things that every team goes through. And, you know, you look at Utah, they, they have the Rose kid and Dallas Carroll and, and their big lefty that started against us. They didn't miss one start. Their three main pitchers didn't miss a start. Makes a difference. And, man, they put it together at the end of the season, and they were a different team at the end of the season with those guys. Um, with starting pitching is the most important thing. It's like a quarterback. Uh, it's like your point guard or center. I mean, it's just the, the most important thing on, on a baseball team. Staying healthy, mm-hmm. moving forward. BYU coach Mike Littlewood with us. Uh, looking forward to taking that next step and getting to a regional. And speaking of that, you lose two key contributors uh, in terms of seniors with Eric Urey and Hayden Nielsen at shortstop and Mike Rucker most likely to the Major League Baseball draft. But then Kyle Dean tweets this the day after BYU doesn't get into a regional. And I am paraphrasing here. <laughs> I'm going to help BYU go to a regional – you can take that to the bank. What did you think when you first saw or heard about that tweet from a guy like Kyle Dean? I, I love it. I mean, I, I love the way Kyle goes about things, and Kyle will help us. Uh, you know, I wish he would have – Keaton Kringle came in and played incredibly well. He was I mean, the freshman gonna be of the an, year. Freshman of the year, going to be an All-American. But that doesn't mean Keaton couldn't have gone to, the, uh, to another place and, and uh, Kyle DH or, or Keaton DH and put Kyle in the outfield. We need Kyle Dean in our lineup to be, to be the best team we possibly can be. Um, and I just love the confidence because I know he knows that we've got that potential here. We might be better at the plate next year, better offensively. It's tough to lose. Brennan, Brennan Lund's going to be gone. That, that's a key. You know, he'll get drafted uh, Thursday or Friday. Um, Mike Record's probably going to be gone as well. And we lose Yuri and, and Hayden Nielsen. Those are two key, our two key seniors. But we feel really good about the guys we have coming in. Uh, we, could lose, we could lose three high school seniors to the draft. Pete Nielsen. Uh, D.C. Clawson and, and uh, Peyton Henry. So three. We could lose three to the draft. Uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed that they're putting value on themselves. And, uh, but D.C. Clawson could be, they're telling him, second or third rounder. Peyton Henry could be as high as a third rounder. Do you, do you wow. guys help out so, with that, with the, with the evaluation? Well, we'll just, what you do if or? they call us, we'll help them, help them a little bit. But, um, you know, it's all about, it's all, as a high school kid, it's all about bonus. You don't want to get a bonus and have to live off your bonus. You want to get yeah. a bonus and put it away, and that's your retirement because everybody else in life, Oh, yeah. is starting to build their careers from age 20 to 25 mm-hmm. or, or 30, yep. and you're playing baseball making $8,000 a year. So yep. <laughs> it's a pretty tough life. It's not as glamorous as people think, but it's, but it's a pretty cool but, thing but, to do. But can you – is there rules against you reaching out to them and, and kind of – No. Okay. I mean, they've signed, okay. so you're yeah. good, right? Yeah, right. Th- yeah. They've, they've signed with us, and so we're, we're fine if their parents have called, and, and they'll call. Uh, me, I've got a different perspective because in 2010 I went, that, went through that. Uh, we went through that as a family with Marcus, who was drafted in the second round, I think 62nd or 67th overall pick. And so we've been right in the middle of it from that perspective. And so, you know, if those families want help that way. Oh, you know. We know yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, after the fact, it's like, man, we maybe should have pushed for a little bit of more money in, mm-hmm. in that bonus. And, and Marcus's bonus is out there, and people can look it up. He got a lot of money, he got a, but he, he lives like a poor college student right now. <laughs> I don't have any money, I don't have any money. And 
he knows he he knows that. I wish everybody could call Marcus and go, "Hey, has it has it been an easy life these last five years?" And you know, uh, do you <laughs> have a huge running. house and a lot of nice cars? No, no. So anyway, um, it's it's a unique situation in baseball. So we'll, extreme we'll keep budgeting. Our uh, there you go. Yes, I'm seeing. I'm sensing a reality TV show for minor league baseball <laughs> players. Go. Extreme budgeting I'm in sure the minors. They would love it. Uh, let's finish with this. How in the world, other than recruiting and kind of keeping an eye on what former guys are doing in minor league baseball and whatnot, how do you stay busy over the summer? Well, it's interesting. Trent Pratt's already been out recruiting. Brent Herring's in, in Dallas recruiting, and I'll go out next week. Um, so we're already on the recruiting trail. And then we have four, four of our youth camps coming up. Yeah. You know, uh, in, interesting you ask. Um, <laughs> love, love camps. We, we, you know, we look at camps as like we love to do them, but, man, it's, it gets a little hot out there. But uh, – so we have two youth camps. One's coming up in uh, June, June 20th. They fill up um, our high school camps. We have three in, in July. We have one youth camp July 5th, and they're four days. Uh, a youth camp June 20th for four days. I believe that's two Mondays. Um, somebody, you can look at your calendar. And then we have high school, th- three to high school camps the last two weeks of, uh, of July. But I'm out there 100% of the time. My staff's out there 100% of the time. Um, in fact, I think we're going to, to – uh, tweet out on my twitter account i'll tweet out a code for the first 25 people that go sign up for a camp they'll get 25 dollars off. Oh, so hey, hey at why nice. baseball coach i'll tweet that code out in the next couple hours and speaking of extreme budgeting there we go there we go <laughs> that's probably that's probably two percent off the camp the price of the camp I, I don't really know but there's an overnight camp it's a great great camp we we spend a lot of time get a lot of great feedback Congratulations on uh, an overall and what we view as just a great success and a step in the right direction, as you called it. And uh, we're going to take that uh, thing that Kyle Dean said to the bank, man. Get get into a regional. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I, I I love his attitude. That's the attitude we need overall as a team, and that's the culture we're trying to build. All right, Coach, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Mike Littlewood in Studio B, staying busy over the summer. Hey, so the Big 12 decided to add a championship game. And not to expand for now, what does it mean for BYU? ESPN Big 12 blogger Jake Trotter joins us next. I'm a ter- Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Brian Logan in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Circle June 30th on your calendars now. Right now. It's done. As it is BYU Football Media Day on the 30th. We will have a special two-hour edition of BYU Sports Nation that will include interviews with Kalani Satake, Taysom Hill, and Jamal Williams, and many, many more. Tune in at noon Eastern on June 30th. Included in today's BYUSN headlines, CBSSports.com reporting that Arizona is a one-and-a-half-point favorite in the latest point spread for BYU football season opener. That game will take place in Glendale, Arizona, at the home of the Arizona Cardinals. So a neutral site, but in many ways... A road game for BYU. Please, Though man, we have learned not, that not as of now, BYU has sold more tickets than Arizona for that game. Oh, but there's I mean, there's a pretty good following of the of the LDS faith. Absolutely. There, right? uh, see, I'm getting it, man. I'm getting it. That yeah. stadium holds sixty three thousand people. Nice. Is there any chance that BYU could have thirty two thousand? I would say I'd be willing to say yes. In that game. I'd be willing to say yes. Do, man. Yeah, don't put it past them. Joining us now is ESPN Big 12 blogger Jake Trotter on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Jake, welcome back to the show, man. How are you today? Doing well. Good to be back on. Hey, we're, uh, we appreciate the time, and <laughs> I can only imagine uh, how you feel when you hear, hear those three special words, Big 12 expansion. What happens to your body when you hear those three words? 
I'm just fine with it. I'm ready for the season to start, though, so so we can uh, relax again. It's just been one of the wildest off seasons in the Big 12 that I can remember when you factor in what's happened at Baylor and obviously the Big 12 just making national headline after national headline. It's been a crazy off season. As long as your arm isn't twitching and you're not dry heaving, you know, <laughs> we're just hoping that you're doing okay. Yeah, well, we're we're expected to have our first here in a couple of weeks, and I guarantee that's the day the Big Twelve will make some uh, ridiculous announcement about expansion. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, good, good good luck with that one, my friend. We we both have two Spencer and I. So, Holy cow! Yeah, we we definitely understand. Uh, so, Jake, with with the decisions made and not made over the weekend in Dallas, uh, what have we learned about the future of the Big Twelve Conference? Well, it's going to have a championship game next year, regardless. And it's not going to create a traditional linear conference network. And beyond that, uh, I think it's anyone's guess as to what happens. Uh, I, I think the focus now for the Big 12 is expansion and, and whether the league moves forward in, in, in that regard or uh, stays pat. I think the chances, as I've said all along, are probably more likely that the Big 12 doesn't expand than it does. I, I think that the conference network being off the table, you know, maybe slightly hurts the chances for expansion. But on the other side, because there is no network uh, being pursued anymore, I think that that could change the way the Big 12 looks at expansion. And, and now maybe instead of focusing on potential TV markets, which you'd have to do in order to get the network off the ground, maybe you come back and look at strongest football programs because mm-hmm. now it's about strengthening the brand and the product as much as possible. And I would argue that it's probably good news for the BYUs of the world, which are the strongest football programs out there. Maybe bad news for, say, Central Florida, which has a huge market but virtually no football tradition whatsoever. It's, it's interesting you say that because I've before the, the first expansion, when, when we had the, the rumors and, and, and whatnot, I've always felt like BYU and a school like Boise or and, and TCU and Utah was in that mix before they went. But, but you know, BYU and, and Boise kind of got left out. And so as I'm thinking of, of why conferences or why B- Boise wouldn't be attractive, it was because of the, the TV market. And so do you think that that now would be an opportunity for or, or, or conferences uh, like the Big 12 to, to look at a school uh, like a Boise that has that, that tradition? I haven't heard a lot of buzz about Boise State. Uh, I, I think maybe it even helps Houston a little bit more because, yeah. you know, the, the debate going into uh, these meetings – was, you know, what do you get from Houston? You don't really, do you get the Houston market? Uh, does the Big 12 already have enough of a stranglehold on that market? Uh, even if you add Houston, does it really counter what the SEC, the inroads the SEC has been able to make into the Houston market? And now you come back to, okay, uh, you know, what, what, what do you get from a football perspective by adding Houston? And, and I think, you know, a lot of ways Houston is similar to TCU where they have good tradition. Uh, they have a lot of players in their backyard. Sometimes they're not able to get those players because they play in an inferior conference. By elevating Houston into the Big 12, now do you create you know, a bona fide, legitimate Power 5 football program the way uh, TCU, which always won a lot of games but maybe wasn't able to get the players uh, because they played in the Mountain West or whatever conference. Uh, now TCU, we've seen what they've been able to do in the Big 12. Does Houston, is that a similar comparison that also could work against Houston in some way because now if you're Texas, if you're Oklahoma, do you really want to recruit against Houston for players that 
you you might be able to get uh, otherwise you know previously because of the conference uh, difference. So those are those are conversations that the Big Twelve is going to be having. Uh, but first, they have to decide whether they want to expand, and then you know from there you'll see if if if, if it is a yes, you know what candidates make sense, and you know BYU because the talent pools don't cross over very much. Uh, I think even then is probably more attractive than say Houston to the Big Twelve. ESPN Big 12 insider Jake Trotter is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We are obviously talking expansion and what a championship game means for the future of the Big 12. And about money, Jake, I see $30.4 million distributed to each of the 10 schools, combining for $304 million overall. And then there's that $1 billion figure that CBS Sports threw out there, courtesy of Dennis Dodd, just a few days ago. If that means that much more money and you can expand even more on that $30.4 million per school and there is no TV network, so the Longhorn Network can keep giving, you know, earning their $15 million a year, why not? If it means more money, why not add a couple of more teams just for strictly financial purposes? Yeah, I think there are two reasons why you might not. One, you don't want to dilute the product. And now, I'm not saying that I agree that BYU would dilute the product, but I think there were some in the Big 12 that would say if you add two teams based on what's out there, you know, maybe, maybe it dilutes the on-field uh, product, you know, when, when, you know, you could be playing, you know, nine conference games, now you're playing uh, divisional schedule. That's an extra, you know, non-conference game, probably against, uh, you know, an FCS-type opponent. And then in the Big 12, you know, our fans going to get fired up to see their team play some of the expansion candidates out there. The second uh, argument against expansion, if you expand now, you basically diminish your chances for doing something down the line. That's something Texas Athletic Director uh, Mike Perrin said uh, last week. If you expand now, uh, maybe your chances of getting an Arizona or Arizona State or Florida State or Clemson down the road when we see – the next seismic shift in realignment, perhaps in eight years, goes down. So those are really, I think, the two arguments against expansion. But, again, the pro rata, you know, increases, like you mentioned, the billion dollars, which is, uh, you know, it sounds like a lot. It's ac- actually just basically the full pro rata kick-in from television money. In other words, $50 million a year uh, for two members, uh, assuming that number is $25 million in TV revenue uh, f- for the next eight years, uh, which obviously adds up to a lot of money. Uh, and even then, you could you could bring a BYU and a Houston in on a partial uh, uh, distribution format, like they did with TCU and West Virginia, and that yep. would mean, you know, a couple of extra million dollars per school for a number of years. Right. Uh, so there there is, I mean, financially, uh, there is some incentive to, uh, you know, to to moving forward with the expansion because you don't have to pay out each member on the full distribution uh, model right away, and and you know couple million from a championship game, a couple million for, from expansion, and now instead of 30.4, you're in the 34-35 million dollar raise, and again, that, you know, every little bit helps in terms of closing the gap with the SEC and the Big Ten. I understand uh, where Mike Perrin is coming from. I really do. You know, why are we in a rush to expand if we want to have future options moving forward when the TV grant of rights contracts come up between 2024 and 2026, depending on which conference you're in? That said, if there is another major realignment and the Big 12 has not expanded and they are 10 right. teams, are they not the easiest for the picking? Or they say, Ab- the Pac-12 absolutely. says, hey, Oklahoma, Texas, come on over. Let's go to 16 teams. 
And I think that would be the counter-argument is to say, do, we, do you really want to roll the dice at 10 when you're probably going to be the most vulnerable because of your conference size? So, I mean, I, I think you could expand by two and still have the opportunity to expand again. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the event the home run opportunity for the, for the Big 12 comes available. And really, if you strengthen yourself now, you might look more attractive to a Florida State or Clemson uh, because, you know, the ACC doesn't have a network. Uh, it's going to be difficult, you know, for them to, to get to that point where they create a lucrative one in the, in the current climate. So I, I, I'm with you there. And, and the other thing, too, you know, if you play Central Florida, if you play Connecticut, you know, you, you play, you know, some of those, you know, some of those schools out there, it probably dilutes the product on the field. I don't see Texas or Oklahoma fans getting fired up about playing Central Florida uh, in Orlando uh, in, in October. But I don't I, I, I would disagree that, you know, just trying to think of it from an anecdotal perspective, I don't think I don't think playing BYU dilutes the product. You know, BYU um it, you know, they've won uh seven the seventh most games of any program in the FBS since nineteen eighty. They had the championship, national championship in eighty four. They've kicked Texas and Oklahoma around here in, in, in recent seasons, so I mean, I, I, I don't think that BYU dilutes the, the product on the field. The question, I think, is, is, is there a 12th member out there or a second expansion candidate that does the same? Uh, that's a little bit of a tougher sell. But uh, as far as, like, on the field, BYU, you know, I think, I think would be, you know, there's some challenges there. There's no question. Uh, the Sunday issue, uh, the proximity to other campuses. But if we're just looking at football program on the field, you know, BYU, I think, brings a lot to the table. Jake, the, the Big 12 announced that they will have a championship game. And and while we were prepping for the show, we were kind of just going through different scenarios of what could potentially happen and, and how you can have uh, rematches. And, and as a college football fan, I just do not want to see that happen. I think that would be boring. And then you have just so many different drama and opportunities for, um, you know, uh, uh, I would say uh, teams that are – uh, undefeated, uh, playing against teams that are or, or losing a game to teams that uh, don't really deserve the the right or the chance to to win the the conference championship. Uh, what's your opinion on 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 that? Does that make does this allow uh, the Big Twelve to to take a step forward or a take a step backwards? You mean the the championship game in yep. terms of getting to the playoff? Is yep. that what you're saying? Yep. It, well, I mean, if you if you believe the statistical models, the the data that came back from the consultants the Big 12 hired, you know, a championship game gives you a better chance to get into the playoff, and I think I would agree with that. I mean, not having a presence on championship weekend and not having a 13th data point, the Big 12 is operating at a disadvantage right out of the gate. And I think, uh, you know, format-wise, the Big 12 is probably fifth in the pecking order in the eyes of the selection committee, which for whatever reason, unfairly or fairly, I think unfairly to some degree, has not given the the, the, the round robin format enough credit uh, for the Big 12, uh, you know, to be on uh, equal plane with the other power conferences. So I think it was a move the Big 12 had to do because, you know, you look at you look last year. You know, Oklahoma got in the playoff, but I guarantee you, if Stanford had beaten Oregon on that two point conversion late in the year and, and had been a 12 and one conference champ uh, with a non conference win over Notre Dame, and you know the the, the final impression that the Cardinal gave in the Pac-12 championship, they'd have gotten in over Oklahoma. Man. So it worked out this past year, but I, I think you're just, you're sort of in a position, if you're the Big 12 right now, 
without a championship game of hoping other conferences lose. And I'd rather be operating from a position of strength than a position of weakness, which, let's face it, that's where the Big 12 was in the eyes of the committee. Jake Trotter has been with ESPN since 2011. Great follow on Twitter. Follow him there, at Jake underscore Trotter. Intriguing stuff, my friend. Uh, we look forward to the next time we can do it again. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of BYU followers in the in the last few months. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, fun. Jake. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you got it, man. Thanks for the time. All right. ESPN Big 12 insider Jake Trotter just joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Which future BYU football game are you most excited for and why? We discuss more of your answers next. And what about the game in 2016 you should be most excited for? I'll give you my take right after this. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton hanging out with Brian Logan in Studio B. If you miss an episode of this show live, you can always watch the rebroadcast on weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern right here on BYU TV. BYU Sports Nation is social media friendly. Yes, Follow us are. at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or at BYUSN on Snapchat. And join the conversation 24-7 over Twitter using the hashtag BYUSN. Our Twitter question today, what future BYU football game are you most excited for and why? This extends beyond just the 2016 season. I believe BYU has games scheduled up through 2026 for crying out loud. Uh, that information available on FB schedules. At Nomad Coog tweets in, duh, 10th of September, LOL, and also the Michigan State game. Anytime the Cougs play is the game of the week for me. I understand that. It's always a big game when your team is playing. But there is something to his Michigan State reference, and I think that is the biggest, or not the biggest, but the the game I'm most excited for in 2016. And here's why. It goes back to all of the reasons I was talking about earlier on with LSU. You want to prove yourself against the best. And it's at... Michigan State. This isn't a neutral site game. This is a road game against a traditional national power. BYU has never played Sparty before, and I feel like going into that game, BYU's not going to be expected to win. In fact, after what happened at Michigan last year, Michigan State fans are going to be thinking, oh, we're going to crush BYU. It depends, man. It depends. What if they're undefeated up until that point? Then what? They're expected to. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Put on the blue goggles. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Put on well, the blue I still got to put the blue goggles on. We're just, we're just talking, right? Hypothetical. That's what we do in summertime, right? If it's BYU just, is undefeated going they, into Michigan State, they'll be ranked in the what, top ten. What if they, what if they, what if they have two losses? Are you expected? Are they expected to win that game? Or I would say at least compete. No, I think Michigan State will be anywhere between a ten and a thirteen point favorite in that game. Hmm. That's just, I think that's what's going to happen. Just regardless, of national power never played them, and in my mind. Outside of BYU circles, there's nothing to lose. You yeah. go and you play well against Michigan State. Even if BYU loses that game, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. These are the games that scare me, man, because when you when you look at some of the, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 schools, uh, when you when – you, th- those type of players and athletes, I feel like BYU can hang. But when you got the big boys and 327,000 pounds mm. – Lyman, it's that's what's going to scare you. At Chad Stewart seventy nine says it has to be Utah because right now it's the only win that matters. It's bigger than ah! Utah. Cougar whip around up next. BYU Sports Station presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar whip around football. 
CBSSports.com reports Arizona is a 1.5 favorite in the latest point spread for the BYU football season opener in a recent article talking about the first weekend of college football. Cougars in the PGA. Daniel Summerhays is a first alternate to compete in the United States Open. Summerhays also finished 31st in the last year's FedEx Cup standings, which is one spot out from automatically qualifying for the said U.S. Open. Cougars in the minors. Who's that? Who's that sound? That was a turkey. <laughs> Jacob Brugman went one for three with a run scored yesterday for the Nashville Sounds. Uh, in the last ten games, he's hitting 304 average with one home run and seven RBIs. Soccer. Got a boy, Jacob Brugman. Incoming freshman Elizabeth Braby of BYU Women's Soccer named the under 19, <laughs> under 19 U.S. Women's National Team. The team heads to New Zealand this month for three friendlies. I don't know how it turned uh, Yes. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. I'm giving it to ESPN's Jake Trotter for having common sense when it comes to looking at the big yeah. picture for what the Big 12 should do. Needs to do like there. That was intriguing. If yeah. you didn't hear that interview, download the podcast, listen to it. Fascinating stuff. That's right, Jacob. You the real MVP, man. What future BYU football game are you most ex- excited for, and why? Let's go to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. At Monique laughs. The Hawaii Bowl in 2019. Excuse to get my husband to take the family. Yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't even think about that. At man. H call your 88. I'm excited to see Wisconsin come to Pro Bowl in 2017. Can the fans do jump around before the fourth quarter? Ooh. Pull out the Wisconsin, but in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Only if we're winning. There you go. Our elite tweet of the day from at I raise my flag. Utah, if that requires an explanation, you are an alien, and we invite you to the game. Welcome to planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Oh, that, thanks. Should, that should be like a top, you know, top elite tweets. Of the like elite of the time. elite. Yeah, pretty good. The elitist. Of thanks to Mike Littlewood and ESPN's Jake Trotter and everyone on our crew. Follow us 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Podcast on iTunes and the TuneIn app. Download it. Join lots of people. I'm Spencer Linton for Brian Logan. Shout out to Ben Saylor. See you tomorrow.